Hi, welcome back. In this episode, we are going to talk about ADHD and its influence on education. Some people today think that ADHD is a phantom condition or just a trendy diagnosis, although history has shown that ADHD has actually been around for quite some time. Starting in 1775, Dr. Melchor Wickard described the qualities of an inattentive person. Following that, in 1798, Alexander Crichton theorized that a person could be born with attention disorders or that they could acquire them through diseases affecting the brain. 1902, 1936, 1939, and 1941 and 1975, there's even more important research and findings related to ADHD. With all that said, we can see that ADHD has been around for a long time. Prior to the 1960s, the term minimal brain injury was used, but soon lost popularity because it was difficult to document actual tissue damage to the brain. In the 1960s, the term hyperactive child syndrome was preferred, but by the 1980s, research began to see inattention as a major behavioral problem. Now, the recognition of inattention as well as hyperactivity is prevalent in the current definition of ADHD. Inattention would be trouble paying attention to detail, difficulty sustaining attention, problems with organization, and being easily distracted. Hyperactivity would be fidgeting, leaving a seat at inappropriate times, or talking excessively. The CDCP reports between 7% and 9% of the school-age population has ADHD. Although it is difficult to estimate how many students with ADHD are served in special education, so that percentage may be greater. In 1991, it was determined that students with ADHD were eligible for special education under the category Other Health Impairments, or OHI. Individuals would qualify if it had great effects on their educational performance. However, many authorities still think that fewer than half of students with ADHD who need special education, education services are receiving them. Also, boys are more frequently to have ADHD than girls of at least two to one, but this may be because boys tend to be more noticed in their hyperactive or impulsive type of ADHD, while girls are more typically the inattentive type and may not be as noticed. And evidence is also backed up that the prevalence of ADHD in the U.S. is also found in several other countries. Most agree that there are four important components to assessing whether a student has ADHD. There is a medical examination. These are rules. This rules out that other disorders that may cause inattention or hyperactivity. There is a clinical interview. This is understanding family dynamics and peer relationships. Also good to note that in certain settings, some children may look normal in their behavior, so it's good to be aware of the influence of the setting. And teacher and parent rating scales, as well as behavioral observations. Due to there being no simple diagnostic tests, such as like a blood test available for ADHD, there's controversy over what actually causes ADHD. Now there's strong evidence linking neurological abnormalities to ADHD. The development of neuroimaging techniques in the 1980s and 1990s, like the MRI, PET scans, fMRI, allowed scientists to first uh, find information more detailed and reliable of 
measures of brain functioning. For example, abnormalities in the prefrontal lobes, which are responsible for executive functions that allows for the ability to regulate one's own behavior. There's also neurotransmitter abnormalities that might cause ADHD. Neurotransmitters are chemicals that help in the sending of messages between neurons in the brain, such as dopamine, involved in ADHD. ADHD also has a hereditary basis. Research indicates that no single ADHD gene exists. Rather, there's multiple genes of at least like 20 are involved, as well as toxins and other medical factors. When it comes to psychological and behavioral characteristics, ADHD tends to affect a wide range. There tends to be deficits in executive functioning, which describes the controlling and regulating behavior. With that said, students with ADHD find it extremely hard to stay focused on a boring activity. And more specifically, a huge part of executive functioning is difficult for students with ADHD is the behavioral inhibition and the ability to wait their turn. Deficits in behavioral inhibition lead them to make choices impulsively and to overreact emotionally. There are also characteristics of uh, difficulties with adaptive behavior. Social behavior problems also seems to be a concern, and research su suggests that students with ADHD are more disliked by their peers than are students with any other kind of disorder. ADHD often occurs simultaneously with other behavioral and or learning problems, such as learning disabilities or emotional or behavioral disorders. In addition, people with ADHD run a higher risk than the general population for substance abuse. Half of children with ADHD have a learning disability, and 25% to 50% of people with ADHD also exhibit some form of emotional or behavioral disorder. In the education setting, effective programming for students with ADHD include the classroom structure and teacher direction, as well as a functional behavioral assessment and contingency-based self-management. The classroom structure and teacher direction pays attention to reducing stimuli irrelevant to learning and enhancing material important for learning, and creating a structured program with a strong emphasis on teacher direction. Because children with attention problems are more susceptible to distractions, reducing extra stimuli is important, as well as material that brings attention what is being taught. Teacher direction is very important in younger kids as well as when kids get older it's more important to gradually see more independence. Some advice to help kids stay organized is to have consistent schedules, to organize daily items, use homework and notebook organizers to be clear and consistent with rules, and to give positive reinforcement and praise when rules are followed. The other educational consideration is using a functional behavioral assessment for, or FBA for short. This is an evaluation that consists of finding out the consequ consequences or what purpose the behavior serves, anecdotes or what triggers the behavior, and setting events that maintain inappropriate behaviors. In contingency-based self-management, uses rewards based on the use of self-management techniques. The contingency-based self-management phase involves a student evaluating his on-task behavior on a five-point scale 
zero out of five being unacceptable and five out of five being excellent at the end of each class. The teacher also related, also rated the student's behavior and awarded the student's points based on how closely the ratings matched. During another class, the teacher awarded negative or positive points to members of the class, depending on whether or not they responded to attention-seeking behaviors from any member of the class. As with all students with disabilities, the best placement for students with ADHD should be determined on an individual basis. There's also medical considerations when it comes to ADHD. One of the most controversial topics in all of special education is the treatment of ADHD with medicine. Psychostimulants are a medication that stimulates or activates neurological function, which are by far the most, most frequent type of medication prescribed for ADHD. Although this is controversial and when it comes to medicine, there's side effects and things that to be cautious about and the effects are different for every individual. Once there's been different strategies in place, there is then an evaluation on social and emotional behavior and academic skills for progress. Similarly to learning disabilities, curriculum-based measurement is an appropriate method for monitoring academic progress. Assessments of attention behavior would be rating scales and direct observation. Momentary time sampling allows a teacher to conduct brief observations and collect data on a, on a specific set of about of behaviors. For example, there may be a 15-minute time of observation divided into 15 minute or 15 intervals of one per minute. For each minute, the observer would then record if the student is showing the behavior of interest or not, and at the end they can see how the student performed. As well as there's other rating skills for students with ADHD to view progress. When it comes to early intervention, the diagnosis of young children with ADHD is particularly difficult because many young children who don't have ADHD tend to show a great deal of motor activity and lack of impulse control. With that said, the number of preschoolers identified as having ADHD has increased. For preschoolers, it rose from 2% to 6%, and school-age students was 7% now 9%. Parents also report that ADHD symptoms in their children first began to appear between the ages of two and four years old. Poor behavioral inhibition and inattention in preschool are predictors of ADHD symptoms and early literacy skills, respectively in early elementary school. Because of that, catching ADHD earlier is critically important. In some cases, ADHD isn't diagnosed until adulthood. Because the symptoms of hyperactivity tend to dim down, ADHD may not be noticed in adults as much, but still persists into adulthood. In fact, 50% of children diagnosed with ADHD still have major symptoms as adults. Adults with ADHD tend to make poor decisions and exhibit mind wandering. In general, the more severe the symptoms in childhood, the more likely that adults with ADHD will be high school dropouts and experience employment problems. Also, adults with ADHD tend to have a number of poor outcomes, such as higher likelihood of depression and anxiety, uh, marital difficulties, driving difficulties, and addiction behaviors, such as substance abuse and gambling addiction. It's also important to point out that not all adults with ADHD experience unfavorable outcomes. 
many adults appear to leverage their ADHD symptoms, such as high energy and thinking outside the box. Examples of these people, many self-identified, would be like Howie Mandel, Jim Carrey, Justin Bieber, Ryan Gosling, and so on. In the employment and many other aspects of life, it is good to maximize the individual's strengths and minimize weaknesses. In general, learning self-advocacy as well as finding someone, whether that may be like a therapist or a friend, who can regularly spend time to keep individuals with ADHD focused on their goals. With appropriate attention to ADHD, many individuals can learn strategies that work best for them to allow them to be independent in society. Thank you for listening.